Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for you, the marketer, the business owner who wants to know what works with social media. I am really excited about today's show. I'll be joined by David H. Lawrence, the 17th, and we'll focus on how to be authentic when you're making videos. And if you're not making videos, think about going live. That is the process of making videos. You're definitely going to want to listen to today's show. By the way, want to reach me? Email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Let's now transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What did you find, Eric? I found something cool that keeps you from wasting time on your Facebook newsfeed called To Do Book. To Do Book. What is it? Okay, so it is a Chrome plugin, and I checked. There's no Firefox equivalent, unfortunately. But what you do is you install it, and then when you go to Facebook... It brings up a to-do list of things. Now, it doesn't sync with a task manager system that you might already be using, but you can enter in some like, you know, for today, hey, I'm not allowed to use Facebook unless I do this, this, and this first. All right. So kind of help me understand what's the application here. Is this meant to be like a barrier that pops up before you actually are brought to Facebook? Is that the idea? Yeah, so the image that they show in their screenshot and what it looks like is when you go to Facebook, it lands on your news feed natively. But instead of showing you your news feed, it shows you the list of things that you have plugged in that you need to mark as done before they let you through the gate to your news feed. Oh, interesting. So yeah. basically you have you create your own little list inside this thing. And then you have to check that you've done all this stuff before it will let you kind of scroll down the newsfeed. Is that what I hear you saying? Yes, exactly. And it's on the honor system. I mean, you can check these off and then move through to your newsfeed if you want to have no discipline. But I think this is really cool for the fact that one, we all get distracted in the Facebook newsfeed, newsfeed pretty easily. But two, if you put up like, what are my three or four priorities of the day? And am I on track? Have I check them off? Have I done you know, the work that I need to do today in order to, to go to the newsfeed? And again, half the time when we go to, I mean, I hear, the, I hear the, claimer, the disclaimer there that's like, well, what if I do work on Facebook? Well, that's fine. Go to your groups where you need to go do that or go to your, your Facebook page where you need to go do that work. We all though, but, and I know this is true with you and it's true with me, we go in there to go do some work on Facebook for our jobs, for our livelihood, but we get sucked into the newsfeed. Absolutely. Very cool. So, so how, do we, how do we get this thing? 
Okay, so what you do is you go to the Chrome store. You go to chrome.google.com and look up all one word, to-do book. That's T-O-D-O-B-O-O-K. And I'm assuming this is a free thing, right? Yep, free download, free Chrome uh, extension to add into your Chrome browser. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for today's interview with David H. Lawrence. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. Today I'm excited to be joined by David H. Lawrence the 17th. David is an actor and professional voice artist. You may recognize him as the puppet master from the TV show Heroes. He specializes in audio and video training and communication. He's got a course called Camera Ready You where he helps actors and marketers with their on-camera performances. David, welcome back to the show. I am so happy to be here. You are one of my favorite people in the world, and this podcast is so helpful. It's just amazing. So thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, David. And for those that uh, are new to the show, you might want to go back and check out episode 161, which is socialmediaexaminer.com slash 161. And in that episode, David focused on using your voice. This time around, we're going to focus more on the video side of it, which of course includes voice, but also all the other stuff that goes with video. So um, let's start a little bit with a bit of your story. How did you go, David, from being an actor to teaching actors and marketers about performing on camera? So the origin story starts even a little earlier than that. And that is, how did I go from being a voiceover talent to doing on camera, which created peals of laughter in the world of radio and voiceover. You're going to do what? Uh, and then both with voiceover and once I started to experience some success on camera, on network television and in film, people started asking me, you know, how did you do this? What, how, what, what got into you? What kind of crazy thing crawled up inside you and made you think you could possibly succeed at this? And then how did you actually succeed at this? And, you know, it's crazy how when we're asked to teach people stuff, initially – it's like, oh, I, you know, why well, I'm not, I'm no big shakes. I, you know, I just did what I did. That's all. There's no big secret. It's not, what would I teach, you know? And it, it's crazy how in both cases, in both voiceover and in on camera work, 
I had to be dragged kicking and screaming into the place. And like I would come and speak at, at things like Social Media Marketing Week and uh, World. And I would I, I come off stage after showing people some simple things to do while they're on camera to be authoritative or to be uh, authentic or to have the ability to quickly take care of things. Just simple things like how to hold your hands or what to do with your eyes or how to, how to position yourself posture-wise. And I would be mobbed by people saying, hey, I want to take your class. You have a class, right? And finally, you know, it was at the last SMMW where I said, okay, I'm making a class. Because cool. I was tired of people saying, what's wrong with you? You don't have a class? What, what are you, crazy? So I was, you know, so that, was, that was the key. And I found as I started to put the class together so much more than what I gave myself credit for as to what I would teach. What am I going to show you? You know, this, that, the little, a couple tricks. What am I but then I started doing an inventory of all of the things that we take for granted when we do the things that we do well. And it really began to flesh out the whole Camera Ready You curriculum. So same thing happened with voiceover. I started off just teaching commercials. Mm. But I ended up teaching 36 different classes, and that's what the curriculum is today with my company, vo to go, go. Uh, we teach 36 different classes that cover not just the art of things, but also the business and the technology. So, uh, yeah, so that's how that stuff, that happened. And you've been... Uh, you've been in, uh, if we count your radio career, you've been doing this for what, 25 plus years, right? Well, I spent 35 years in radio and I've done, uh, about a decade's worth of on camera work. So, you know, I, I have this, I, I don't sound my age. I sound, <laughs> I think younger than I actually am. Cause I'm going to be 59 this year. I would have never known. And yeah. I, and I and, met you in and, person. Yeah, and you see me in person. I think it's because I wear jeans and T-shirts and because, you know, I don't feel that old. And for me, I'm still sort of in the the, the love affair period with my on-camera work. I haven't become jaded yet. So, um, you know, I, I don't – you know, this, this is sort of a second act in life for me. I was just talking about this this morning with a friend. Uh, who is trying to figure out what she wants to do with the rest of her life. And I said, you know, do what, what really floats your boat. This really floats my boat. And so I spend a lot more time than it sounds in both voiceover and in on camera. So some cool. years. Very cool. Um, and for all the marketers that are listening right now, I just want to make the case that uh, live video, if just for live video, you need to listen because there are so much, most marketers who are in any kind of marketing job, video was not something we learned about when we were in school. And right. social media marketers probably didn't even go to school, the vast majority of us, to learn social media. So we don't have this video stuff that we're going to be talking about today. So this can be a very important message for pretty much all of us, um, which is a great transition to my next question. What's the thing we should focus on the least when it comes to being successful with video that perhaps oh. people tend to overfocus on? Yeah, uh, the idea that you have to be perfect. That is so essential that, you know, comb your hair, brush your teeth, put on makeup, wear your, wear your cool outfit, whatever you want to do. Mm. You know, we actually give you some color choices and what to do with that makeup and, and all that sort of thing as kind of a base. But once you do that, the key is not to be a better version of yourself. The key is to be your most authentic self with all of the warts and pimples. And that's what makes you human. You know, if you sit there and really kick yourself because you flubbed a word or because you, you know, looked off camera for a second or because you didn't remember to turn your shoulder in or whatever it is, don't worry about it because 
people are going to connect with you when you are simply being yourself, when you are simply your most authentic, most authoritative, and and easily connected with self. And you can't be that way if you're constantly trying to be that better version of yourself and then beating yourself up when you fall short. Those are the the really big things. You know, there are other things people get, you know, worried about what camera to use, the equipment and everything. That's all taken care of very easily. But that whole idea of overcoming this notion of perfection, you know, that gets in the way of actually being real. So don't do that. Well, I definitely want to I want to dig in on that authenticity thing, but first I want to scale a cycle back just for a second to the equipment thing. Yep. And I just want to share a little story. Uh, one of my daughters who is turning 13 um, is very much wanting to do uh, vlogging, video blogging. And um, of course, what did I do as dad? I started researching every conceivable camera and spent hours watching reviews and thinking about this $1,000 investment and all this equipment oh. and stuff. And I want you to talk about why that doesn't matter because I think it's our instinct to want to have the best equipment. What's your thoughts on that? And, and, you know, if, if you're uh, Mike Stelzner, then you can get the very best equipment. And if, you know, I, I'm able to afford the very best equipment either. But the point is, it doesn't matter what your equipment is. I mean, if you want to do certain things, if you want to get very artsy with your stuff, then maybe you need a, a, a more expensive camera. But the truth is, you don't even need to buy a camera at all. Your daughter can start vlogging immediately with the smartphone that she has in her purse or in her pocket. Right. The cameras in phones are so much better than even the old standalone digital cameras used to be. It's insane. I mean, I'm surprised that there's still a camera market out there as opposed to cell phones. And I'm not talking about, you know, the phones that have two cameras, the one on the back where you can't see if you pointed at yourself, you can't see yourself. Those are better usually than the ones on the front, which are usually called the selfie cameras. Right. But even those selfie cameras, they're all minimally at 720p, which for those of you that you know don't know the jargon, it's really good enough to do 99% of the stuff you want to do. So it's not the equipment that matters. You already have the equipment that you need. You might need to add a light here and there, but that's a table lamp that you set up near you, and I'll show you, I show you how to do that. It's really easy. Uh, get a $30 or a $20 even uh, lavalier microphone from Amazon, and that's it. That's all you need, and you can, you can do 99% of what everybody wants you to do on camera, what you want to do on camera, with just that little minimal setup. Very cool. And I I do think that a lot of us um, have this mental state, which is I cannot until I, you know what I mean? I cannot do this until I have mastered, you know, how to use this equipment or how to buy this thing. This is awesome. I cannot until I. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I love and that's a, that's a bad thing. And I think David and I are on the same page. Just go for it and do it. And that's a great transition into this authenticity thing. So, so um, first of all, why is it so important that we be authentic? And what can we do um, to be our authentic self? Because I don't think it's as easy as it sounds. Yeah. So we we talked about this at the at the uh, the presentation I gave at uh, at the conference earlier this year, um, and we discussed the idea of how do you know. Well, consider every time you watch video and you think to yourself, this guy's a bag of wind. You know, she's, she's fake. Whatever you think, if you're put in that position, you're put in that position because the person is spending way too much time trying to present and far too little time just being themselves. 
You know, uh, the people that we connect with most often are the people who seem the most down to earth, the most real, the most interested in the subject. You know, you can't help but be authentic if you stop worrying about how you look and how you sound and what your hair is doing and are the lights right and did I get the right camera, right? Mm-hmm. What you start thinking about is the content. And once you do that, something clicks with the viewer where they go, oh, this guy's the real deal. This woman knows she's, she's speaking to me. She's speaking my language. You know, that connection occurs when you, you just drop the pretense, you drop the mask that we all put on. Because what happens when the red light goes on? It's a moment in time where everything changes. We're live in 15 seconds. Those are some of the most scary words in the world to some people. For me, I get really excited. I'm, I'm happy. I, I almost have to like go, okay, it's cool. You got this, you know, so that I don't jump on camera and go, Hey, what's going on? I'm so happy to see you. Right. You can overwhelm people like that. Right. But the point is, if you are completely interested, immersed, can't wait to help people with their needs, your authenticity meter goes through the roof. Okay. So we definitely know when someone is not authentic, right? We can tell when they're reading the script. We can tell when their eyes are going back and forth, or we can tell when they're, um, you know, trying well, to be trying to be something they're not. But how do we actually, you know, it's one thing to say just be natural and be yourself. But is there any little tricks or tips that you can say to our um, listeners here to maybe make them a little bit more? desirable to want to be their authentic self. And what does it even mean? Does it mean I, I, I share some of my, you know, I don't have all the answers and I tell people that or because a lot of people, they want to sound like they're an expert. I don't know. Let's unravel this a little bit. So there's a lot to unpack in what you've asked. Um, first of all, going back to the idea of how do you, how do you maximize your authenticity? It's more minimizing your fakery. Hmm. Uh, you can't really like turn up the notch on your authenticity. You are your authentic self when you are your authentic self. I tell people sometimes, you know, if you can learn how to fake authenticity, you've got it made. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that we are frightened to death to be authentic. We are frightened to be our authentic selves because we're flawed human beings. You know, we don't know all the answers. I love questions and answers when somebody comes up with something that I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've said a number of times in front of huge live audiences, you know, I have no idea what the answer is to that, but man, I can't wait to find out. So I'm going to go research it. You give me your card and I'll send you an email. And I, that, that changes the whole idea of I'm not good enough or I don't, I, I, I don't have the complete compendium of my subject matter expertise at my beck and call, you know, those are the moments when people go, oh, they're not just a talking head. They're not just, you know, in my case, a pretty face. Uh, you know, I, I'm very clear about the fact that I do know a lot about what I teach. I do know a lot about the profession that I've chosen to be in, but I don't know everything. Nobody does. And sometimes I'm wrong. What? Yeah. Admit that you were wrong. You know, don't be worried. Treat the audience not as this disconnected, judgmental group of people, but treat each individual audience member as a friend, as somebody. And your friends will call you on your BS. Your friends will say, I don't agree with you. Your friends will ask you things you don't know about. But your friends will also be open to the genuine nature of what you have to say. And if you stop thinking about, performing on camera 
as a performance, as something that needs to be, you know, you need to suit up in your armor and you need to protect yourself against the judgments, the, the judgments that people will have about you, the judgmental nature that people have. You know, if you just are thinking to yourself, how can I help this person, this target audience of one, how can I help them do better what I'm teaching them how to do? If that's your main function, then you're good. You're good as gold. You deal with a lot of, you are an actor, you deal with a lot of actors and when you, and as a matter of fact, you just recently uh, had a part in the brand new Cars movie, right? Where you were the track announcer, is that correct? Uh, yeah. So how, how did you actually, in that case, you had to kind of prepare yourself to be a track announcer. So, you know, you know I'm curious, what did you do? The truth of the matter is, I didn't have to do much preparation at all because I do this character, you know, I... I was. I didn't have to audition for this part. I was actually offered the part by the the production company, Pixar. Cool. And <clears throat> somebody had heard. I think it was Barbara Harris, the woman that does ADR. Uh, she's the one that called me originally. She goes, "You do uh, announcer things, right? I, you, I've had you in for a hundred announcer roles. Do, if you were doing a track announcer, what would you?" And over the phone, I guess that was a little mini audition. She booked me on the spot. Because I do this character that's kind of a combination of Vin Scully and a guy I grew up listening to the Cleveland Cavaliers on radio with named Joe Tate and a little bit of Marv Albert and some. And this guy's got a voice in the back of his throat and he's calling whatever he's doing play by play with sports. And that was, that was just the, the thing that I did. And Very she cool. loved it. And so did the director, which was great. I remember in the session he goes. All right, who's uh, who's this guy, David H. Lawrence, seventeenth? Who's my track announcer? And I raised my hand, and I hadn't been talking to him in that voice. I'd been doing all the other ADR work that day, the the walla and the crowd noises and all that. And he goes, "All right, let's see what you can do." Like he didn't have really high expectations because there was no recording of me when he when he accepted Barbara's uh, recommendation. So I got up and I did you know maybe five minutes worth of stuff, and he turned to everybody and he goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, that's how to nail something." <laughs> And it was great. It was awesome. And usually when you're in films like this and you do voice work like that, you don't necessarily get credit if you're not one of the big celebrities. Mm -hmm. And I've heard from the people who've seen the film already um, that they gave me credit for that, which was, you know, it was really nice. So cool. uh, that's how I got that one. But the answer to how do you get the rest of them, the audition stuff – uh, you got to prepare. You got to know if you're going to be if you're going to be going in for a cook or a chef, you've got to know how to naturally say the language of that particular character. And by the way, all of this stuff that I'm talking to you about right now has applications to business people and marketers and certainly social media marketers as well, because you still need to determine, despite all that I've said about your authenticity, you still need to determine your brand. Mm -hmm. You need to know what people think about you. When people look at you on stage or when they look at you on video or they hear you on a podcast or you make a live presentation in front of them, they will be making almost immediate the, – the survey says less than three-tenths of a second – almost immediate judgments about you. you. You can't avoid that. So the best you can do is manage it. Dress appropriately. Sound appropriate. Be ready with uh, great content. Um, but be prepared. There is, you know, there's, I don't think I've met anybody in my life that prepares more than you do, Michael. Well, thank you. I, 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 I see how you manage the show, the, the conference. 
I see how you manage this process of doing the podcast and making sure that your guests are comfortable and prepared. And like before we started, it's like make sure your phone's turned off, make sure everything around you is nice so that we don't get interrupted. These are the kinds of things that I think about all the time. My, my kids make real fun of me because they'll, they'll and they've, they started doing this when they noticed what I was doing, but they'll, they'll push a glass to within an inch of the edge of the table. <laughs> and they'll go, hey, dad. Uh, you might want to notice what's going on here. With I have to move the glass away from the edge because I don't want it to fall. I am that guy. And so I am constantly looking at ways to be safe, to be better prepared. Oh, to be, uh, perfect. Yeah. I've got a transition question related to this. Okay. I like this. How can we practice or be prepared? Because I think that, you know, obviously you've been practicing arguably most of your life and you're naturally prepared now because you've got 40 plus years of doing this. But for someone who's kind of new at this, do you recommend they just do a couple of videos um, with their smartphone for their own personal consumption and watch it back? Or how can we? And, how- and not even not even that complex. I mean, the first module of Camera Ready You, we have someone make a video before they even start taking classes. And the video is very simple. You stand in front of a camera and you say your name. Just introduce yourself. Just say hello and, and say your name. You'd be surprised how difficult that is for people who are concerned about being on camera. Huh. Like, hi, my name is John. Like, okay, John, if, if you walked into a room or a bar or a restaurant or a party and walked up to someone and said, hi, my name is John, how long do you think that conversation would last? Right? Absolutely. So we start with the very basics. And it's like, hi, my name is David H. Lawrence, the 17th. Now, I'm prepared for people to say the 17th, really? That's like 99% of the response that I get. If I had a more normal name, uh, that probably wouldn't happen. But somebody would say, hey, nice to meet you or whatever. By being friendly, by being – but let me answer your question. Your question was how are we prepared? How do we, how do, we do that? I have a phrase that I use when it comes to this and that is never waste your pain. Throughout our lives – the most telling and the most uh, long-lasting lessons are those lessons that occur when we fail miserably, when we suffer embarrassment, when we have pain because we weren't prepared. We mm-hmm. didn't know what we were doing. We were thrust into something that we weren't ready to do, right? So think about not just what you've done on camera before, but your entire life when you've been you know, put in a situation where things didn't turn out the way you hoped they would. Learn from those. Don't just dismiss them as problems and failures and I hope that never happens again. Think about why it happened. Think about what it was that you had or you didn't have or you thought or you assumed, right? Think about that and become a student of how others view you and of the content that you present. And when you do that, then you start to polish the jewel that is your performance life, the, the, the idea that you can – if somebody said to me right now, you've got five minutes. I need you on CNN. I want you to talk about being on camera with our, our, uh, our anchor. Okay, great. That's what I want for you. I want you to be able to do that because you have taken the time to educate yourself about how to do it well. You've gotten some experience you will get better and better and better through iteration and through not wasting your pain. 
Awesome. So we've been talking about authenticity and I want to transition over to authority. Many of the people that are listening to this podcast either already are a thought leader or aspire to be a thought leader in their space. And the natural question that comes, you know, after we're authentic is how can we be authoritative or how can we convey our authority on video on camera? What's your thoughts on that? Um, the first thing I tell people to do is don't be afraid of being authoritative. Um, you know, some of us are like still suffering from that whole, I don't belong here. Somebody's going to walk through that door in just a second and they're going to have this big hook like <laughs> at showtime at the Apollo and they're going to grab me around the neck and they're going to drag me off this little stage I'm on and they're going to advise syndrome. me. Yeah. Yeah. The imposter syndrome. Exactly. Uh, they're going to advise me that they've made a mistake and that I have to leave now. <laughs> and the truth is you've come a long way to get where you are. And most people can't do what you do. Most people can't even execute at the level that you're executing at. So you already have this innate authority. Don't be able, uh, don't be afraid to show it. When somebody says to me, so what's your experience you know, on camera? I'm like, well, I've got about 100 television shows under my belt that have been on network television, about 40 films. Uh, I've been doing uh, teaching and coaching and being a subject matter expert on network, uh, you know, news networks and, and teaching with my own products and with other people's products. I've spoken at maybe 500 conventions over my life uh, from the stage. So that's my experience. Why do you ask? As opposed to, well, <clears throat> you, know, I, you know, if you're putting me on the spot here, I, not that much, you know, or the, the blustery kind of stuff where it's like, I know exactly what I'm doing. I, you know, you, you have this balance between not wanting to say anything and saying things in a way that are off-putting. Just having a natural conversation with somebody can lead them to uh, conclude that you're authoritative. And that's really what you want. You don't want to be saying, I'm an authority in this space. Because then people get defensive and they're like, oh, yeah? <laughs> Prove it to me, Mr. Man. Really? So the idea that you are natural and knowledgeable and uh, concerned about your audience's well-being and their future automatically lends itself to revealing the authority that you have. Now, the big elephant in the room is, I'm just getting started in this. I don't have authority. Good that you recognize that. So, get better at what you do. Become the world-class expert, the subject matter expert, the thought leader that you aspire to be. Be that person. Know that your authority comes from your preparation and your knowledge and the people around you and the mistakes that you've made and corrected. Those things are all going to lend themselves to an air that you'll have about you. I don't think anybody walks into the room and thinks that Michael Stelzner doesn't know uh, everything in the world about uh, social media, but he knows a lot and he's an authority on it and you are too. So don't be afraid to share that with people and you don't have to share it as a braggart. You share it just with moments of, of facts and knowledge. I like this because, you know, this is, this has always been part of the struggle. I think, uh, my background, I don't know if you know this, but I have two degrees in speech, uh, undergraduate and masters. And a lot of times they teach you in the university level to establish your credibility, um, kind of in the beginning. And often that 
in a speaking role is established by a third party who's introducing you. But what I found that's because I don't like, you know, I don't like saying, hey, I'm great because I've done this. You know, I, I think uh, that can be off putting and I try to be humble. So what I like to do is I like to sew a story um, into my presentation in the beginning so that people can begin to understand a little bit more about who I am. Um, in the case of the podcast guests that I have on, I'm dealing with a lot of people who are becoming authorities. And what I tell them is that uh, it'll become evident to people as they listen to us interact that you are an expert. And sure. a lot of it has to do with the way you answer the question. You know, when you know what you're talking about, there's a lot less hymns and haws and ums and ahs. And when you don't, it becomes clear. And I'm just curious, do you have any further thoughts on what I just said? Well, let me clarify something. You said so a story like S-O-W or S-E-W? So, yeah, S-E-W. Okay, yeah. I love that. It's like stitching something into the fabric of what you're doing. That's great. Um, one thing about ums and ahs and other vocal bridges, we talk about this a lot when we're, we're sort of laying out both voice work and, and on-camera work. Don't be afraid of those. Right. But do work toward replacing them with silence. Hmm. When you feel the urge to say, um, or the California, so, yeah. <laughs> or know, and, I use and a lot too. And, yeah. And, and you're doing that. I'll tell you why you're doing that. You're doing that because you're afraid the person that you're talking to or the audience that you're talking to is going to find something more interesting to do. To look at their cell phone or to ignore you or to talk to their neighbor or to go find somebody else who's more interesting at the party. You're afraid of losing their attention. And you don't have to be afraid of it because if you do what I tell you to do, which is instead of going, so if you say, here's what I think, and then pause, I like that, that will arrest somebody's attention in a heartbeat. They'll lean forward. They'll make sure you're not having a medical issue, you know, <laughs> because people don't do that. They don't take that moment to gather their thoughts to put a sentence together that makes sense, that, that, that answers a question or, or a comment, and then deliver it. It's a, it's a skill that is learned over time, and you have to not only learn that skill, but let go of the idea, again, that you're not good enough to hold someone's attention, that you're not that guy or that woman, right? You are. Take your time. I like to describe a dramatic pause <laughs> as kind of white space. Um, and I love it because if you think about, I'm a copywriter and um, not everybody knows that, but in the world of copywriting, typically a sentence is a paragraph. And the reason why a paragraph is only a sentence is it's easier to read. It's easier for people to feel like they're making progress. And the, there I went. And the idea here is that as you are reading through these single paragraphs that are just sentences, that extra white space makes it more simplistic on the eyes. And yeah. it's the same thing, as that, same thing as having large margins on the, on the left and right. So if you think about these, I, the idea of margin as white space in the written word, I think that pauses also are margins in the spoken word. I'm curious... Sure. What your thoughts are sure. on that? It gives it actually gives some relief to the listener, right, and and to the viewer. Um, and you can do a lot, not just freeze your face if you're on camera, not just freeze your face during that pause, but maybe a smile creeps onto your face, or your eyebrow lifts, or 
you do something that sort of shows a change of state in your mind, in your approach, etc. And when you start to combine those things, that's when you start to really reach the higher levels of how you come across within your brand. So, uh, yeah, don't be afraid of that. I want to ask you a couple questions about just tips on how to be more comfortable by looking, you know, at the camera, you know, give us a couple of quick tips. Should we look directly at the lens? Should we look beyond the lens? Um, what are your, what are your, what's your feedback on that? So it's interesting how you phrase that question. You said, uh, tell us how to look, be better while we're looking at the camera. And I don't think you should look at the camera all that much. Ah. You should every so often, but People don't do that in normal conversation. Nobody stares at you while they're talking to you. Even even if you're on a first date and things are going great, you're not being stared at Hmm. by your partner, right? And when you do things on camera, people have been told or they've assumed or somebody's out there running around saying this, that you need to lock on the camera. You need to lock onto the camera and really that's how to be, you know, very connected to your audience. That couldn't be further from the truth. Huh. And when we talk in general, we don't talk directly at someone for 100% of the time. We look around. We look, at the, we look up and to the left when we're trying to remember things. Or we look down and to the right when we're kind of like reminiscing about something that maybe we weren't all that proud of. If we think about our future, we look off to the right, our right. Um, but we don't actually maintain 100% eye lock with the camera. Now, every so often, sure, you should be looking at the camera and you should be looking at what I call the back plane of the camera, not just the lens, the front of the lens, but the, the, where the collector device is. And on a cell phone, it's like maybe a half inch behind whatever the thickness of the phone is, a half inch behind the, the front of the phone. Um, if you do that, your eyes are going to be better focused on the camera when you do look at it. Huh. And do look at the camera. Do look at the camera, even especially when you're doing Skype sessions and so on. Remember, if you keep looking at the picture of the person you're talking to, you're not looking on camera. You're not looking at them. So look at them. When you're, when you're doing a presentation online, if you want to connect with your audience, don't keep looking at the, the stuff on your screen. Look at where that red or green light is on your, on your laptop, where the camera is, or wherever your camera happens to be if you're using an external camera. You know, you don't want to, you're not having some sort of an intimate relationship with the glass that's in the lens. You're talking to an audience that expects you to be a real human being. It's hard at first. It's like, well, if I look away, then they'll stop watching. No, you're doing natural things. Uh, Last question is one you talked about earlier, which is fear. And what do you want to say to people right now who are wanting to do something on camera, but they're polarized or paralyzed, maybe it's the better word, paralyzed, and they just feel like, you know, this is one of the scariest things ever. What what do you want to say to them? First of all, I completely get it. I completely understand. And I'll say that it's the same kind of fear we have about everything else in life. We simply fear either what we think about something but haven't actually experienced or that which we know nothing about, the unknown. Mm-hmm. How bad is that going to be if I walk into that basement? You know, who's waiting down there for me to kill me? You know, I get it. I get that it's putting yourself out there, putting yourself on the line. But I can tell that anybody who's listening to this podcast, you do that every day. 
You do that with your clients. You do that with your peers. You do that with your significant others and your families and your friends. You do this already. And the fact that there happens to be a broadcasting device like a microphone or a camera or uh, an audience involved, all that really adds is a little bit of complexity to how you you manage the message. It's not when if you were to go meet somebody for dinner, you'd probably comb your hair and make sure you had you know for women you had your makeup on and and for guys you you know were dressed appropriately. You do those same things that you do before you step in front of the camera. If anything, stop worrying about the fact that it's going to kill you and it's going to be too difficult and you're going to fail. Like Michael said, do some things just for you. Practice saying hello. And understand that the fear will slowly subside, if not vanish, or vanish immediately. The moment you actually forget about, oh, this is going to kill me. This is horrible. I don't know what to do here. And just make a video. Just make, do something on camera that isn't, that isn't uh, uh, crucial. So that's why we do that in the, in the Camera U class. We, we do videos uh, throughout all, all the modules so that you get that comfort level and that fear begins to dissolve. Awesome. David, tell everyone where they can find out more about Camera Ready U and more about you, David H. Lawrence. Sure. Uh, CameraReadyU.com, uh, just like it sounds, Camera Ready, the letter U, or if you insist, Y-O-U, because uh, for all intents and purposes, this Camera Ready U course is designed to make you camera ready. Uh, CameraReadyU.com. And if you want to find out more about me, you know, I'm kind of like hard to miss online. If you just Google XVII, <laughs> you'll come up with a whole bunch of stuff. But if you want to come and check things out on my acting site, uh, you can go to davidhlawrencexvii.com. That's davidhlawrencexvii.com. Um, and if you want voiceover stuff, vo2gogo.com. But, you know, those are the two. Th the two main ones are Camera Ready U and my personal acting site. By the way, that site is designed for not fans, but for a casting director. So note the audience that's that this site is intended for if you're like well where's all the where's all the news about you and the and your opinions about stuff and like this site is designed so that people can book me period it has one purpose and that's what it is awesome david h lawrence the 17th thank you so much for sh coming on the show and sharing your insight and knowledge with us michael it has been my pleasure i so appreciate it well, I hope you found value in today's podcast interview. If there's anything we mentioned and you missed it, don't worry. We take all the notes. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 258. Also, if you're new, hit that subscribe button. If you're not new, go back and listen to some of the shows you haven't caught yet because we've got a huge archive of awesome shows. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. May social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.